And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? Let's call. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the illustrious Lisa Wolf. She is under the weather. And my crabby brother, Vince, who has not been that crabby tonight, is my co-host. In this hour, Howard Duff stars as Detective Sam Spade, license number 137596 from 1948. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? The Music Edition. I will play clips from famous Billy Joel songs and provide a statement about each song. And my brother's job is to guess if that statement is real or ridiculous while you play at home. All right, bro? Got it. Okay. So it's self-explanatory? Yes. Or Terry? (laughs) Self-explanatory? Right. (laughs) So, uh, all right. So uh, here we go. Folks, play at home. See how you do. Keep, Keep score. Here is the first Billy Joel song, 1977 release. Don't go changing to try and please me. You never let me down before. Mm-hmm. Don't imagine. You know the song? I do. You're what is too it? Familiar. I don't know the title. Uh, and I don't see you. Just the way you are. I yes, know. just the way you are. Yeah. Right. But that's not how you win the game. I'm going to give you a statement now. Well, I plan on winning anyway. All right. Well, if you get, listen, a winning score is three out of five. So, right. all right. So here's your oh, first. Oh, and don't worry. Carl is not normally back good no, at this I'm, game either. I'm terrible at this game, bro. Right. Terrible. All right. Here we go. So statement number one. Thanks for reminding me, Mike. Appreciate no you. problem. Appreciate you in the peanut gallery there. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. First statement is Joel, uh, Billy Joel, has stated that the melody and chord progression for this song came to him while he was on a cross-country flight from New York City to Los Angeles. Is that real or is that ridiculous? That is absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous? Absolutely. All right. Without a doubt. You're right, bro. It is ridiculous. You you said that with a lot of conviction. I know, because I know what he was doing when he wrote this song. What was he doing? Taking a bath. Nope. He was dreaming. It came to him while he was dreaming. Yeah, he was sleeping in the tub, taking a is bath. Is that what like Mike does? Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that film I got of him with the, in the bubble bath. <laughs> 
I don't want to see the film, but I want to have it for blackmail purposes. Maybe you're confused that it wasn't me in the tub. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Someone that looks like Mike. All right. So, uh, hey, he's up. He's uh, he's on the board. He's on I should the board. while I'm ahead. You should. Uh, all right. Song number two, 1978 Billy Joel release. She can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes And she can ruin your faith with her casual lies And she only reveals what she wants you to see She hides like a child, but she's always a woman to me Right, always a woman to me Good tune I mean, he is great, great artist Okay, so here's your statement. It's either real or ridiculous. Now, this song is a love song that Joel wrote for his wife, Elizabeth Weber. Is that real or is that ridiculous? I'm going to say you're probably going to go with two ridiculouses in a row. So that's my only... uh, that's it. My only theory on why I'm going to say it's ridiculous. All right. So you say that's ridiculous? Yeah. Ah, it's real. So she was also Joel's manager and was a tough and savvy negotiator who could wound with her eyes or steal like a thief, but would always, uh, but would never give in. Many thought she was unfeminine. But to Joel, she was always a woman. The two eventually divorced in 1982. But, yeah, it was about his wife, Elizabeth Weber. I thought he was married to Christy Brinkley. Well, this was his first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Okay. That's uh, So you're one out of two so far. All right. Here is song number three, 1973 Billy Joel release. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday A regular crowd shuffles in There's an old man sitting next to me All right, so you know this song. It's one of his signature songs, The Piano Man. All right, so this song is based on Joel's real-life experiences as a lounge musician in Los Angeles from 1972 to 1973, is that real or is that ridiculous? I'm going to say real. All right. Hey. That is real. In the song, Joel describes various characters, including a bartender named John and a real estate novelist named Paul, all based on real-life individuals that he knew while he was a lounge singer. And a musician in 1972 and 73 in Los Angeles. That's, re- that's so, interesting. Very good. So two out of three so far. Not right. bad. Right. All right. Song number four. Here is a Billy Joel 1977 release. All right, so that is Moving Out, also known as Anthony's Song, 1977 Billy Joel tune. Very good tune. All right, here's your statement. 
Joel wrote this song about a friend he grew up with named Anthony. Is that real or is that ridiculous? I'm going to say ridiculous on that one. Are you? Yeah. Okay. It is ridiculous. That's my three. I said wow. I'd get three. According to Joel, Anthony is not a real person, but rather every Irish, Polish, and Italian kid trying to make a living in the U.S. That's what that was all about. Okay. All right. So you got three out of four so far. Man, my brother's good at this game. Unlike your brother. <laughs> all right. Here's song number five, our last song. Uh 1983 Billy Joel release. Uptown girl. Yep. Okay, Joel, here's your statement. Joel began writing the song about his then-girlfriend, Al McPherson, but... It ended up also becoming about his soon-to-be wife, Christy Brinkley. Is that real or is that ridiculous? Real. You say real on that one? Real. Okay. It is real. Joel was originally going to call the song Uptown Girls with a plural, but then dropped the S. But it's absolutely true. He, he began writing it about his then-girlfriend, Al McPherson. But it also became about his real-life wife, Christy Brinkley. So my my brother got four out of five. Wow, that's good. That is really too that's bad. You people can't game. see me. I'd be bowing right now and, you know. Yeah. Getting all my accolades. Man, oh. really good, bro. I'm very impressed. Yeah, thank Honestly, you. very impressed. It's a guessing game. All right. Great job. When we come back, it's the adventures of Sam Spade Detective. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Would you agree with me on this one, bro, that Sam Spade Detective, one of the best detective shows on the air? Without a doubt. Yeah, man, I love this show. Howard Duff was incredible as Sam Spade, and uh, the detective character was created, of course, by Dashiell Hammett for the Maltese Falcon, and uh, Spade was hard-boiled. He had uh, cold detachment, keen eye for detail, and he was determined to achieve his own justice. Humphrey Bogart played Sam Spade in the 1941 film The Maltese Falcon, which led to the 1946 radio series that was produced and directed by Bill Spear. He was also the producer of Suspense. And he brought in newcomer Howard Duff, a very deep voice guy, great actor, to play Sam Spade. His secretary, Effie Perrine, was played by Lorene Tuttle, and uh, Dashiell Hammett was not really associated with the radio show at all. They just, uh, you know, sent him a check to use the rights. And uh, Hammett also created two other detectives for radio, the Fat Man and the Thin Man. And then uh, Steve Dunn, the Fat Man and the Thin Man. Steve Dunn also played um, Sam Spade after Howard Duff left the role. But we have a broadcast for you now, July 25th, 1948 
It's called the Mad Scientist Caper. It's sponsored by Wild Root Cream Oil. Here's part one now of The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade Detective Agency. This is Mad Scientific Detective number 137596. Sam, no matter what anyone says, I'll stand by you. You're nothing of the sort. Not scientific? Of course not. You're two-fisted. Well, thanks, Effie, and that ain't all, Effie. I was actually mistaken for a convolutional melancholiac. Oh, Sam, are you all right now? Wrong diagnosis, Angel. It turned out to be melancholia catatonica. Oh, you poor darling. What is that? Well, it's a thing where you lie motionless and silent with fixed eyes and indifference to surroundings. Unquote. Sam, what happened to you? What hospital are you in? Can I bring you anything? No, Effie, I am now at large. Pull down the blinds, check the corridors for men in little white coats, and set a bottle in the window if the coast is clear. Oh. I'll be right down to dictate my report on the mad scientist caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama... Join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Shh. Come in, Sam. The coast is clear. Where are you? Why is it so dark in here? Well, I had to put the lights out. The blinds stuck. I couldn't get it down. The heat's off, Effie. Let there be light. Oh, oh, I'm so glad. Now, let me look at you. Don't look at me like that and stop whispering. Oh, Sam. Did you get me all upset like that just for a joke? It's no joke, sweetheart. You really sick? Yeah, just sick of some of the types I made in this business. Oh, that. Uh, date, uh, July 25, 1948. To Detective Lieutenant Dundee, homicide detail, San Francisco Police, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the mad scientist caper. I worry so. Ah, dear Dundee. He, uh, looked like a mad scientist, and that's exactly what he was. His eyes had a wild gleam in them, his hair was a wild tangle, and he was wearing a wild assortment of clothing that looked as if they'd been slept in in shifts. He leaned across the desk at me and said, They have stolen my secret formula. They have? Gee, that's too bad. Oh, you think I'm crazy? I don't know yet, I just met you. My name is Raymond Fox. Does that mean anything to you? Raymond Fox, uh, yeah, I think it does, but I don't quite remember what. I invented the helioscope. Helioscope. No, that wasn't it. I also synthesized hydroxylama photocranitone. That was it? Yes, but unfortunately, production costs were prohibitive. Uh-huh, but you didn't let that discourage you. Oh, no, 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 indeed. 
You see, after a brief illness, I was back in my laboratory perfecting my greatest contribution to science, what may prove to be the greatest contribution of science to humanity. I call it Penetron. Penetron. That is what they have stolen, the secret formula for Penetron. Penetron, huh? Now, uh, what exactly is Penetron, Mr. Fox, and who are they? Uh, well, Penetron is a plastic with a molecular structure which repels atomic radiation more efficiently than lead, yet weighs less than aluminium. Oh, that. Do you realize the significance of this? Well, uh... Imagine, imagine a motor no larger than a cigar box with a power potential that even I don't believe, but they do. Who's they? Grierson Enterprises. Now, how do I know this? When I applied to the patent office to protect my discovery, I received this letter. Here, go on, read it for yourself. Uh, Commissioner of Patents, Washington, D.C. Uh, dear Mr. Fox, your application for patent on formula designated under the trade name Penetron is hereby rejected. Ah, uh-huh, you see. Both formula and trade name, together with descriptive material identical to yours, have been registered by Mr. Albert Grierson, Grierson Enterprises, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Very truly yours, George Sherman, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner. There, there, there. You, you see? Uh, yes. You don't need a detective, Mr. Fox. What you need is a good patent lawyer. Lawyer? Ha, I have one. A legal ball of fire named Roscoe Manning. You know this scoundrel? Yeah, he's got an okay reputation. And I am paying for it. $3,000 in retainers. And now he tells me he can do nothing. Insufficient evidence, he says. What is this outfit, Grierson Enterprises? Yeah, a snare and a delusion with, with rented furniture, unscientific ventilation, and dirty work at the switchboard. Mm-hmm. How did they get hold of your formula? Well, it must have been while I was ill. They came and took it away. Out of your laboratory? Oh, well, what does it matter where? I've got to start someplace. Start with the man. I promise you he's a crook. If he steals from me, he's stolen from others. If we can prove that, then I have a case. Well, I can't promise you anything, Mr. Fox, but I'll see what I can do. Uh, uh, will $100 be enough for your retainer? Too much. 25 now on the balance if I can do anything for you. I doubted if I could even earn the 25 but if he wanted to gamble, it was okay with me. The officers of Grierson Enterprises were pretty much as he described them, a beautiful front, especially at the switchboard. Gerson Enterprises, good afternoon. No, Mr. Gerson's out of town. No, I don't know when to expect it. I'll be right with you. That's good news. Gerson Enterprises? No, he is not. No, I do not, and he doesn't want to talk to you in any case, Mr. Manning. Oh, if it would just stop. Can't you shut it off? I might as well. Nobody seems to believe me anyway. You aren't looking for him, too, I hope. Oh, please, just tell me you're selling magazines or collecting salvage or just anything. My card. Oh, detective. Mr. Gerson hasn't done anything, has he? That's what I want to find out. My client says he swiped his secret formula. Oh, not that maniac. You don't look the type. You know he's mad, don't you? Maybe yes, maybe no. Personally, I'm crazy about money. Mad money, pin money, or dirty money. Uh, Your employer didn't happen to leave any lying around, did he? No, but he has a charge account at a bar downstairs in the building, and it's nearly 5 o'clock. Could you cross-examine me there? I thanked her as gallantly as I could under the circumstances. She said, wait here, I won't be a minute. And while she was gone, I made a quick frisk of the office. The file cabinet was empty. Grierson's desk contained nothing but two unsharpened pencils, tobacco crumbs, a rubber band, some rusty paper clips, an old gas bill, a glass ampule, broken, labeled sodium denadrine for intravenous injection, and a business card from one Roscoe Manning, attorney at law. 
I stuck the card in my pocket, went back to the switchboard, and the less time that it takes to tell, I was calling her Lois, and she was calling me Sam over cocktails for two. And that's all I know about it. I didn't think anything about his taking his correspondence out of the files. He often took work home with him. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you saw him? Oh, it's been nearly six weeks. You haven't heard from him in all that time? Mm. He was with Mr. Fox just before he left. They had a terrible quarrel. But then Mr. Grayson managed to get him calmed down, and they left the office together. And that's the last time you saw Grayson? Huh? Yes, and it's all very strange. What did that maniac tell you? That Grayson swiped his invention. Do you believe that? I didn't even believe in the invention. Now I'm beginning to think it was worth stealing. Oh, Mr. Grierson wouldn't... He's a brilliant man, you know. Uh, what else has he invented? Well, I don't know. He always had a lot of projects, but... Of course, he never took me into his confidence. Just exactly what is your job? Oh, it's quite simple, really. I just tell people he isn't in. Yeah. Look, uh, sweetheart, you really mean to tell me it never occurred to you that there might be something slightly fishy about Grayson Enterprises? I know. Why should it? Because there's a smell of red herring up there. It's in the air. You mean Mr. Grayson's a crook? Well, what does that make me? Worry that out on his time. Drink up. She looked as if she were telling the truth. Though with women, especially blue-eyed women, that doesn't always mean anything. If she had anything more to tell, she obviously wasn't ready yet to tell it. I asked her to come up and listen to my Herb Jeffries records. She said my apartment needed a woman's touch. I handed her a broom. She hit me on the head with it and left. And so to bed. Up the times and phoned my client. He wasn't in. Then I phoned a guy I know who sometimes knows about things and asked him what sodium denadrine was. He said it was a sedative and or a truth serum, a mental-type drug. I wondered what Grierson had been using it for during office hours. I also wondered what else he'd been spending money for. I phoned another guy who knows about other things, and he called me back with the name of Grierson's bank, Golden Gate Trust. An hour later, to my surprise, I actually had something to go on. Because in the past six weeks, checks totaling 50,000 bucks had been deposited to Grierson's account, all drawn on the Citrus Exchange Bank of San Anselmo, and all bearing the signature of one Carl Birdwell, M.D. He wasn't hard to find. It was a big place on the outskirts, and the sign on the gate said, Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged. Dr. Birdwell's cottage was one of five without bars on the windows. He was spraying his roses. Ah! Yo, that's hysterectomy of Dr. Kobler's. How are those convulsions? Uh, Coordination all right? I uh, can't complain. Got the use of your fingers back? Good. Pick up those shears. I want all those ragged edges cut off the hedges. Well, why don't you uh, hire a gardener out of those uh, checks to Grierson and use up all your ready cash? Eh? Uh, I thought you were the hysterectomy. Good Lord, you're that convolutional melancholiac. You're not allowed out on the grounds. Guard! Guard! Now, wait a minute, Doctor. Matter. This one acting up. Take him back. I sent for the cystodectomy. This is the wrong man. You're huh? crazy. Come Don't on. Let go of me. I'm not a patient here. I'm a detective. Yeah, and I'm, I'm Sherlock Holmes. Come on now. Back to the violent war. Come on. Lay off. I got an office in San Francisco. I can prove it. 137596. Okay, Dr. Watson, but come on. Come on. You know who that guy is right there, uh, bro? Not Howard Duff, the guy that was taking Howard Duff away. No. It's Joseph. Joseph Kern. Yeah, talking to the microphone. It only works no. that way. Um, <laughs> um, you remember Dennis the Menace? Remember I that do. show? Remember yes. Mr. Wilson, his next door neighbor? Oh, yeah, Mr. That's Wilson. That's who that is right there. Oh, really? Joseph Kearns. Yeah. Right, we're listening to The Adventures of Sam's. My brother thinks you can talk like 
five feet away from the microphone and it'll it'll work. So we just learned you something. I guess I was wrong. Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> We're listening to the Mad Scientist Caper on the Adventures of Sam Spade from 1948. We'll get right back to it. Stick around. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of the radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Don't forget, folks, the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show is available via podcast link, along with Radio Rarities, which is our brand-new podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host, where we break down very rare classic radio show. We had a great one, Mike, last week. It was called Satan's Waiting. It was the only episode that exists from the series and a uh, very cool series like um, like the Whistler-type radio show, and we uh, featured it on Radio Rarities, episode 13. Yeah, it was really cool. I'd never heard of the title, well, yeah. and I, you it, know, obviously that's that's the only one that the exists, The Prince right? of Darkness is the host, bro, on it. It was very uh, creepy, and um, yeah, a really creepy series, but it's the only one that exists. There's only, it was only, there was only 13 episodes ever produced, and that's the only one that is available, and it's we have it in great sound, and we put it on Radio Rarities. Carl Shadow is the writer of the podcast. He's a tremendously talented archivist and writer and historian, and so he writes what we talk about, and it's very detailed, and every episode on Radio Rarities is a very rare show, and we talk about it. And that's also part of the podcast. So if you subscribe to the Hollywood 360 podcast, you will also get Radio Rarities included. Every Monday it's sent right to your email. You can listen to it. Links never expire. Go to Hollywood360radio.com, Hollywood360radio.com. Very top of the website is how you can sign up for the Hollywood 360 podcast, and you'll get radio rarities along with it. All right, we're listening to Sam Spade, the mad scientist caper. Here's the conclusion. And in more time than it takes to tell, due to the guard's jujitsu, I was disrobed, straight-jacketed, and rolled into a wet sheet. A full-fledged inmate of the Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged which is exactly where I belong for having taken Mr. Fox's 25 bucks. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade.
If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. And no wonder. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now, back to the mad scientist caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. I have been shot, stabbed, slashed, pistol-whipped, and sapped into unconsciousness. But until you have spent a night rolled up in a wet sheet, Dundee, you don't know what punishment is. You feel hot and cold at the same time, too miserable to sleep, too exhausted to stay awake. And after four hours of it, you just give up and join the crazies pushing up the daisies. There's only one thing I can say in favor of the Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged. They get the patients up early. By 6.30 in the a.m., I had been rolled out of the sheet. By quarter of seven, I had thawed out enough to be taken out of the straitjacket by an orderly. I was glad to be out of it because it was very heavy, and that gave me an idea. I picked it up and swung it. In less time than it takes to tell, I was in the orderly's uniform, out of the violent wing, and shuffling up the walk through Dr. Birdwell's rose garden and through his cottage door. Good morning, Dr. Birdwell. Good, good Lord, who let you in here? What do you want? I was trying to tell you yesterday when I was so rudely interrupted. Hey? Oh, yes, the detective. Did you say Grierson sent you? I didn't say that. I'm afraid you'll have to be absolutely specific or I can't help you. All right. My client is an inventor who claims that Mr. Grierson stole a formula from him, got a patent on it, and stands to profit to the tune of about a million bucks. The last two items, check. I don't know whether Grierson's a crook or not. He's into you for 50,000 bucks, so you might know. Uh, this inventor. Pale eyes, contracted pupils, big mop of hair. That's a fair description. Fox. Raymond Fox. He's a patient, escaped from this hospital. That man, Mr. Spade, is a homicidal maniac. If you jog your memory, you may recall the case. Sacramento, 1935. Sacramento. Wait a minute. Chemistry professor, lab explosion? That's the case. Two of his colleagues, whom he irrationally suspected of stealing the formula for the explosive he used to blow them up. You sure they didn't? The man was adjudged hopelessly insane. He must be returned to us. He may murder Grierson, he may murder you. But he will commit a murder if he remains at large. Perhaps more than one murder. You must help us, Spade. Like you, Doctor, I can't help unless you're absolutely specific about a couple of things. Your connection with Grierson, for instance. I invested in Grierson's firm. Uh-huh. How did Fox meet Grierson? He was allowed a certain degree of freedom here during his rational periods. I, I guess that he went through my papers or overheard one of my conversations with Mr. Grierson. Mm-hmm. Do you know he retained a lawyer? Hmm? Manning, smart patent lawyer. You must think Fox has a case. Oh, surely not. Grierson thinks so, too. You've talked to Grierson? No, but I've examined his bank statements. The bank allowed that? I told him I was Grierson's attorney. The point is, Grierson is broke. Why? 
because he's paid out every penny you gave him to the order of Roscoe Manning, attorney at law. And you know what I think, Doctor? Yes? I think Raymond Fox is crazy like a fox. And I had the same idea about Dr. Birdwell, but I didn't say so. I didn't feel up to spending another night in a wet sheet. I also didn't feel up to the interview that was awaiting me outside the gates. A limousine, only a little longer than a hearse, was standing at the curb. A round pink head with a gray Hamburg on it bobbed out at me from the driver's seat and said, Mr. Spade? Yeah? Roscoe Manning, how'd you do? About 49975 bucks less than you've done in the caper so far. <laughs> the law is a lucrative profession, my boy. <laughs> Get in, I'll drive you back to town. No charge? Uh, I'll even give you some free advice, sans retainer. Well, sir, <coughs> you are an elusive chap. I've had the devil's own time catching up with you. How did you? I won't ask why. Well, I am not without resources. Now, uh, as to our mutual client, Mr. Fox, uh, obviously you've learned a good deal about him. Dr. Birdwell says he's cuckoo, and it's only a toss-up which one of us he's going to blow up first. Well, just about what you'd expect from a medical man. If you'd listened to as much conflicting medical testimony in court as I have, you'd take them all with a grain of salt. Or should I say, soda mint. Or uh, sodium denadrine? That's a mysterious remark. I was just trying it on for size. It didn't fit. Mm -hmm. Well, sir, here is my proposition. As to Fox's sanity, it's of no importance. He has money, and I think he has a case. We can always get a doctor to say he's back in his right mind. Where do I fit into your scheme? You just keep looking for Grierson. And uh, watch that secretary of his. I don't trust her. Anything else? Oh, I, I almost forgot. Here's $500, and here's your ticket to Chicago. I don't know why, but somehow I got the impression that Mr. Manning was trying to get rid of me. He should have used that ticket to Chicago himself. We stopped at Sausalito for breakfast, and the condemned man ate a hearty meal. We drove the last mile through the marina district and pulled up in front of his house. Well, sir, have a nice trip. Oh, uh, take the car, Mr. Spade. I'll pick it up at the depot. Uh, goodbye. It's been charming. Goodbye. He backed across the sidewalk, waving, and I waved back. Then he went up three steps, put a key in his door, and opened it. It didn't do much damage to the house... But all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Roscoe Manning back together again. I got out of the car and just made it up the steps when it happened again. I hated the look, but I did. Where the limousine had been parked with me in it was a smoking heap of scrap metal. I then headed for the nearest phone booth and pausing only to inspect it for mines and booby traps, dialed the number of Grierson Enterprises. Lois, Sam Spade. Sam, darling, thank you for the present. What present? I haven't had a chance to open it yet, but I think I can guess what it is. A traveling clock. You mean a package arrived and it ticks? Oh, darling, don't be such a tease. Now, Lois, listen. Oh, all right, I'll open it now. Throw it out the window. No, don't do that. Pedestrians, innocent bystanders. Uh, have you got a metal wastebasket there? I think so, yes. Well, fill it up with water and throw the package into it. And ruin my lovely clock? It is not a lovely clock. It's a lovely booby trap. Oh, Go on. I'm You're... serious. Manning just got one of them, and what's left of him is on the way to the morgue. Oh, I think I'm going to faint. Lois! Lois! 
Wake up, pour some water on yourself. Hello, hello. Let me through here. Come on, let me through. Lois. Lois. Oh, you're okay. Glad of that. All right, she's all right now, you people. Come on, get out of here. She's all right. Come on, get up. You're not hurt. What happened? It exploded in the water. At least you had sense enough to do what I told you to. Oh, this was a new dress. Now look at it. It looks fine here. Put this coat around you. I don't think that was a very funny joke, Sam. Neither do I. Now, uh, try and forget your clothes for a minute. And try and answer a few questions for me. There isn't much time. Sam, what is it? I want you to be very sure of this, Lois. Try and remember accurately. How many people has grass and scenes as he opened this office? Well, not very many. It was hardly ever in. It's strange. Now that I think of it, I can only remember two. Mr. Yeah. Manning and that mad scientist man, Mr. Fox. Yeah? Did you hear any of the conversation between Grayson and Fox? Uh, he just screamed at Mr. Grayson about how his invention had been stolen from him. Then it sounded as if they scuffled, and all of a sudden, Mr. Fox calmed down. Mm -hmm. When they came out, his eyes looked funny, as if he'd been hypnotized. Yeah. Uh, what does uh, Grayson look like? Oh, he must have been quite handsome at one time. He's sort of like Gregory Peck with a mustache, only fatter and balder and older. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it exactly like that, but I can see what you mean. But you've never seen him. Don't make book on it, but I think I have. I made three phone calls. One to a crime reporter I don't like very well, giving him a false story on the death of Lois, Grierson's secretary. Another to my client, the mad scientist, alias Raymond Fox, and one to Dr. Birdwell. Then I went to my apartment and waited. My client arrived five minutes before the doctor. When Birdwell came in, my client said, Aha! That's he! He stole my secret formula! Now, now, Raymond, you're getting confused again. No! I'm the doctor, don't you remember? Th th that's not true. Your name is Grierson. Oh, he's much worse. These identifications. You must try to remember, Raymond. Nobody's going to hurt you. But you'll be much sicker if you don't remember. But I do remember. I remember everything. Do you remember setting the bombs at Manning's house and the one you sent to Mr. Grierson's office? No, 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 no. Grierson isn't dead. You're Grierson. No, Grierson isn't dead. Only that poor girl. No, no, no. She didn't steal my formula. It, it was you. Oh, you're trying to mix me up. I'm trying to help you. Now, roll up your sleeve. I'll give you something to quiet no. your nerves and we'll go back to the hospital. Put it away, doctor. You've helped them enough. Huh? Now, look here. This man is my patient. He needs medical attention. I won't argue with you, but I think he'd better get it from some other doctor. Right now, he's making more sense than you are. Ha. Just ha. keep on the way you're going, Spade, and I'll have you back in that wet sheet. I did it once, and I can do it again. Sit down. You got delusions of grandeur. Stop shaking, Raymond. I said you're making more sense than he is, and I can prove it. You think you're very astute, don't you? No, I'm stupid, but I'm lucky. I should have tumbled to the whole caper when I found that you'd invested 50,000 smackers in Grierson Enterprises. When I found out that Raymond was an escaped patient, I should have tumbled to what that Denadrine vial was doing in Grierson's desk. I should have known then that you and Grierson were one and the same person. Ah, I, I, I told when you. When I discovered that you'd paid Manning all that shakedown money, I should have known you were planning to knock him off and everybody else who could identify you. But it didn't work out that way. I got out of the car before it blew up. Dumb luck. And you can identify me as Grierson? I don't have to. <laughs> oh, God. Surely you're not counting on Raymond's sanity to that extent. He can't even remember that I was his doctor. Can you, Raymond? You're trying to mix me up. You stole my formula. I didn't kill them, did I, Mr. Spade? Now, lie down on the couch and relax, Raymond. Don't worry about a thing. 
Well, Doctor, what now? You relax, too. Okay, Lois, come on in. What? Lois! Why, Mr. Gerson, have you been sick? How dare you? How dare you ruin all my plans like this? You stupid girl! Okay, that's enough. Come on, get back there. Get back. Sorry, sweetheart. I didn't mean to let him get that close to you. What were you trying to do? It was an experiment, just to see what would happen. It did. So that's the way you scientific detectives work. For a hard-boiled chap, you have the vaguest way of doing things I ever heard of. Well, uh, plans are all right sometimes, Doctor, and sometimes just stirring things up is all right if you're tough enough to survive and keep your eyes open so you see what you want when it comes to the top or something. Uh, Spade, Dundee, I'm at home. I've uh, got two homicidal characters here, one sane and one insane. Now, if you can tell the difference, I'll let you give the story to the papers. And that, Lieutenant D, is the crop. You uh, picked the wrong one. Figures. It's as simple as this. Raymond Fox was the loony, but Birdwell, alias Grierson, conceived and executed the whole scheme, including the explosions. Don't worry about Fox. He's now back at the hospital working on a new secret formula. I don't know what it is, but it might be an anti-truth serum serum, because that's how Birdwell got the Penetron formula, by using truth serum on the mad scientist to make him talk. Any way you figure it, he's crazy like a fox. His enemies are all dead or on their way, and he's as snug as a rug in a bug house. Period. End of Looney Tune. Well, of all... Well, just imagine. Well, it takes all sorts to make a world, I guess. Well, I guess you never spoke a truer word, Effie, but don't forget, a stitch in time saves nine. Don't feel too badly about it, Sam. Better late than never. You took the words right out of the horse's mouth, but it's later than you think, Angel. Tight that up, Angel, and while you're at it, see if you can think up a way to teach an old dog new tricks. Well, here it is, Sam. And I've been thinking over what you said. Which? About teaching an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. You're only as old as you feel, Sam. Then send in the application for my old age pension. Oh, Sam, I won't let you talk that way now. You're just tired and nervous and run down. Yeah, backaches, stay up nights, sour racket. You're just feeling sorry for that Mr. Fox. I wouldn't worry about him. As you pointed out, he's safer where he is for all concerned. Mm -hmm. And after all, necessity is the mother of invention. What's that got to do with anything? Well, he's an inventor, isn't he? Oh, that. You see? All's well that ends well. Good night, Sam. Good night, Pollyanna. Pollyanna. Oh, she's the glad girl. Oh, no, Sam, that's Shakespeare, that old... You know best. All ashore that's going ashore. Good night, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spear's absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again... The choice of men who put good grooming first. 
This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That is The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, one of the best detective shows on the air, bar none. July 25th, 1948, The Mad Scientist Caper, starring Howard Duff as Sam Spade with Loreen Tuttle as his secretary, Effie Perrine, as heard on CBS, sponsored by Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie, it keeps your hair so nice. Hey, bro, when you were younger, did you ever use, like, any Brill Cream or Wild Root Cream Oil uh, or anything I like didn't that? use Brill Cream, but I, I did use something. I, I, I don't recall what it was. Was it Wild Root Cream uh, Oil? Vitalis. Was oh, Vitalis. Vitalis, yeah, So we what had... was the deal with that in the 50s and 60s? I, and... I don't know. I don't know. I it mean, was... what was the deal? You would just take this stuff and put it in your hair and it would be all slippery and slick yeah and... you know back then you know you had uh like the da's you know you know what the da What's a was DA? no well the duck's butt you know oh. in other words duck you know oh, duck tail or something yeah, like that it was like the guys had the like the da in the back and, and you, they would put you that needed to have some kind of a Ugh. something in your hair to, to be able to do that you yeah know? And, and, you know like cookie burns and yeah you know Ugh. No thanks. Yeah, Vitalis. No thanks, no thanks. A little dabble do ya. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, we're going to see how my brother does at learning the lyrics. Uh, bro, I'm going to have three songs, and I'm going to read the lyrics of the songs to you, and okay. I'm not going to sing them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them like I was reading, you know, anything. And uh, you have to guess the name of the song. And I will tell you this. Every one of the songs starts with the letter B. So be thinking of songs that start with a B. Okay. And we'll do that uh, to start out the next hour. We're also going to tune into a true crime mystery called Whitehall 1212. It was a uh, a very good series uh, in the early 1950s. So that's all coming your way. Stay tuned. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. 